This is London Calling. London Calling. Then there was the claim that someone told her she was a role model, just like Nelson Mandela. I do, I do see it. I do see it. One uh, led their country out of apartheid, and the other one acted in suits. <laughs> the thing about that comment, though, is amazing if someone said that to you, but then you let someone else bring <laughs> yeah, that news. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, like, that you can't say, I'm just like Nelson Mandela. Yeah. But also, if you're in the public eye, people say all sorts of stuff to you. You don't just blindly repeat it. <laughs> Welcome to London Calling with me, James Dallingpole, and my very good friend, Mr Toby Young. Tobes, there's only one item to be discussed on the show this week, and that's how come you, bastard, got invited grouse shooting and I didn't? Well, James, you know how on the last show we discussed our dearth of grouse shooting invitations this year? Um, well, um, a, a, a generous listener, uh, hearing our gripe, uh, contacted me to say, would I like to come grouse shooting? On Monday, um, this Monday just passed, and, um, and so said yes. that's, that's why we were a day late with the podcast entirely. My yeah, fault. yeah, I know. I well, I am very impressed that you you because like grouse shooting in, in invites are really rare, especially in this year when I think there's a, apparently there's a there's a grouse shortage or something. Yeah, um, well, actually, there was no shortage of grouse on the moor I was on. <laughs> I have to say, James. oh, rub it in. It's <laughs> gone. And how many did you? Did well, you bag? well, I I I, I got um, thirteen and a half brace, so. 27 in total uh, over five drives and the that's very respectable yeah the total bag um, for nine guns was 110 brace so um, 13 and a half is just over um, uh, you know um, my percentage uh, uh, so I think I, I shot slightly above average for the guns on that day so more than held my own so I was quite pleased by that and I think that's, that may be a first for me James and were you were you double gunned and stuff and did you have a loader I did I had a loader with two guns yeah which definitely helped so yeah so that means you, you got because I know how much you have to tip on these things it's what <laughs> it's about 500 quid isn't it no it's um, it's 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 about a hundred for the keeper, and if you're feeling yeah. generous, about a hundred for your loader. Um, but you can get away with less. You can tip the loader sixty or eighty. Um, but anyway, right. I, I ended up tipping tipping the loader a hundred because you know I'd done so well thanks to his help. Well, well, yeah, yeah. That's that's really um, envy, envy inducing. I, I don't. Given that that there are far more Team James listeners to the podcast than Team Toby, I think, isn't that true? No. No, I think I there's think, many more, I'm, many think, more team Tobies. We know, obviously, you'd think that, but I think, I think actually, <laughs> we should do a survey at some point. We should do a survey. We yeah. should do a survey, but clearly, what you appeal to establishment types who are wedded to the official narrative, and and I suppose that this, they'll go on, they'll go on imagining that that the the status quo is is okay and nothing to worry about. Um, until their grass moors are confiscated from them, and they suddenly realise, wait, the great great reset is 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 real. We should listen to James, not Toby. Well, actually, I, the, there we the, are. the the chap mentioning no names, but well, the couple that yeah. invited me, I would say they they may they may just edge towards Team Toby, but in some respects, I'd say they're sympathetic to your point of view. So you know, lockdown sceptics um, think we should lift the fracking ban quite sceptical about the WEF um, no well, quite no sceptical no that's like, like no sort of being lightly lightly um, worried about cancer or or, <laughs> or, or you know thinking that well, maybe on balance the I, I don't know the second world war was a was a, was a bad idea well I think I think that but, the, my general point is that lightly sceptical of at, that generally I think at odds with the official establishment view on on the right. bulk of issues, um, so I don't think I, I think that's slightly. I mean, and I think, um, yeah, I think, uh, I, and I do think actually that most people who own grouse moors or who shoot grouse are, for yeah. the most part, quite old-fashioned Tories who, you know, who 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 do share, you know, many of our positions and are on the whole more at odds with the establishment than they are aligned with it. Yeah, yeah, like Ma- Matt, fact, Matt Ridley, the, the, another example. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I I like Matt, but but he's he's definitely 
he's definitely still establishment, isn't he? I mean, I, the thing is, I reckon there's only one person in the House of the Lords, we, House of Lords, we've mentioned her before, who's actually actually sound, and the rest are just it. When you, I mean, imagine when you get elevated to the Lords. I I, I hate that word elevated because I mean, obviously, actually, it ought to be the opposite. Um, when you descend into the House of Lords, into the Stygian depths. Imagine what a cuck you're going to be. I mean, you're already a, a, a sort of semi-cuck. Well, you are a cuck now. But you're going to be like Owen Jones' level of, of, of ghastliness when you, <laughs> when you become an, a, a lord. Well, uh, Lord uh, Young uh, I, of I hope, I hope, wet fartington. I hope, I, I hope the aristocratic embrace won't in any way um, change my views or uh, temper my radicalism, James. I think well, I, it's the, but it's not, it's not aristocratic, is it? I don't think there's anything well, aristocratic true. about, the, about the, house, the House of Lords now. It's a bunch of kind of time servers who who you know have brown nose for the requisite party and and been given a job for the boy or girl well, i fear i fear that's why i may not get one james you know th- boris johnson is going to have two lists he's going to have a political list he's going to have two yeah. honors lists one is a political list and the other is his resignation list and the resignation list is less likely to be challenged than the political list so if you're vying yeah. for an honor you know um in yeah. the next month you're better off being on the political list than the resignation list um and um yeah, I, 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 and apparently Boris hasn't yet, so it said in the Sunday Times on Sunday, hasn't yet finalised his resignation list. So there's still, I still, there's still a slender hope for me, James. But I think, I think the, I probably sorry, would have the, been a slender hope on the the weaker of the two lists. Is that right? No, the stronger of the two lists. I think the political oh, the list has been finalised, but the resignation list, which is harder to challenge, because as a you know as a convention, the prime minister's resignation honours list is more likely to go through unobstructed than his political list. Can you imagine the reptiles that are going to be, uh, almost literal reptiles, who, who are going to be... Well, that, that's um, actually another... Resignation uh, that's another reason for being on the resignation list rather than the political list. I mean, if I was on the political list, I imagine I would just be one of the names challenged and I'd be dropped like a hot potato. But, you know, harder to challenge any of the names on the resignation list and some of the other names will be, you know, will attract a fair amount of negative publicity in their own right. So I might be protected by them. On the other hand, they might be protected by me if I'm on the list. So I, I honestly think, Tobes, I honestly think you have earned your 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 place in the Lords. You've assumed the position um, many, many times. You've you've held your tongue or you've used your tongue to great effect. <laughs> and and I, I, I just think it would be really ungrateful of, of of Boris as you call him, or Johnson as I now call him. Um, really ungrateful if he didn't didn't, you know I fear, yeah, James, that the, the people who are going to be honoured on his resignation list are people like Stanley, his dad, who'll probably get a knighthood. Rachel, no, he his won't, sister, will get a damehood. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Leo, his brother, I mean, he's already given um, Joe, one of his brothers, a peerage. Who's the one who works for the Chinese Communist Party? Which brother's that? Gosh, I'm not sure. Um, I know that Leo, <laughs> Leo worked, I think, at one stage for the World Bank, so that may be what you have in mind i'm not sure that i mean they really are I, I i remember when we first went up up to to oxford and they were they, they really were that they, they'd they landed on their feet hadn't they the the, the 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 johnson brother and sister uh, who were there when we were there were, were the people to know they they knew everybody and they were very sociable and likable and they're producing you know rachel produced books and stuff and i just now look at back and i think why? Why did we want to be with these people? It just they're wrongans. They're wrong. Why couldn't we sniff them out? I suppose we were so innocent in those days. I well, I I I still have a as, as you know, James. I still have a soft spot for both of them. Um, yeah, I've got a soft spot where I'd like to put them as well. But it's not the same one. <laughs> you can't. I don't know. I just think I increasingly I I've come to realise that. The people who get on in in politics and the people who get on in in the music industry and people who get on in, well, every industry pretty much, have not just metaphorically sold their souls, but literally sold their souls. It's like... I don't think anyone gets there on on, on merit. I really don't. Don't you sometimes think 
this is just a story I'm telling myself to make myself feel better about having not myself achieved any of these glittering prizes. That would be that would be the That's what, the normie take, and also I think <laughs> also I think that the take of somebody who isn't a Christian. I think when you when you have a, a genuinely Christian understanding of the world, you realise that that this is the world, this is the realm of the devil, given given by God's permission that He gave the devil the world, and in order to give us free will. So we get to choose whether we want to follow the de- devil's wiles and 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 you know take the Doctor Faustus route route and and enjoy the the, the fripperies of of this worldly life uh, in in return for later on being dragged screaming and down down for, to hell. Or do we want to want to renounce all that you, and you, um, when, take the path I've taken? Can you think of a moment in your own life when you were kind of exposed to temptation and you could have sold your soul and achieved so, worldly success? I'm really glad you asked me that question because I think it's a really, really interesting question. And the answer is, if there ever was such a moment, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't aware of it. I mean, maybe they were, were signalling like, too high or James, hungover. James, just, just do this. Just do. We just got to do this thing, and you're going to get everything. You're going to get keys to the the keys to the room where it where it happens. You're going to get you're going to get your own iron throne. You're going to get uh, you're going to join um, Oleg Deripaska and and George Osborne on on the Deripaska yacht with with Nat Rothschild, and you're gonna I don't know. You, you're going to discover things about the world you never knew before, and you're going to be given. You're going to be able to rule the world. Nobody ever gave me that 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 option, the, or, or, or or that I was conscious of anyway. So that's interesting. So, is, so you can't really claim a moral superiority to the people you think have gone to the devil no, because you, you were never faced Tom's, with a difficult choice. It's very interesting. It, I I think it's incremental. I, I I've been stuck on this chapter of this book I'm writing at the moment. No, I don't know. Um, what are you, about, you about, writing a book? Oh, it's about God, God and stuff. Okay. And it's 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 chapter six, and I don't know whether whether it's I'm being sabotaged by diabolical forces or what, but. I've been trying trying to answer the question. You know, given that, in my view, the everything that's wrong in the world today is the number one culprit. I mean, even bigger than Big Pharma, even bigger than the World Economic Forum, even bigger than you know, you name it. I think is the media. I I, I think that none of this stuff would have happened if the mainstream media had done its job and or, or done its alleged job. I, I mean, I, I think actually its real job has always been to to propagandize on behalf of the elites. But if it did the job that we we sort of we innocent readers and audiences and, and viewers etc. Uh, imagine it should do, then what it would have done would have. It would have been to have spoken truth to power and call out all the terrible things that have been done. Instead, it allowed itself to be bought off. So I can understand, you know, from from a, a corrupt media proprietor's point of view. I mean, given that the 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 the, the media. The, the real media owners are, are probably part of the cabal that I keep mentioning, the, you know, the predator class. Which are, so obviously one wouldn't expect them to behave well. But the question arises, what about the journalists? What about all those those colleagues that I used to make a beeline for at parties that I used to, you know, shoot the breeze with? And, you know, when we used to get drunk and imagine how we would have been in World War Two, and we'd have all have been Spitfire pilots or we'd all have hid, hidden Anne, Anne Frank in our cellar, etc., etc. And then when it comes down to it, when push comes to shove, when the Great, the great challenge of our life emerges when global tyranny threatens to take over the whole world in its grip. And what are they doing? They're just talking about, you know, um, about the gender wars and about trivia. And they're not dealing with the, with the serious stuff. So the question I'm asking in this chapter is why are my journalistic colleagues, I mean, I, and I, I, you're an exception, by the way, I think you've been actually okay, but why have most of them utterly, utterly failed? Why have they, why have they, they, they run away from the machine gun instead of, instead of charging the machine gun? Um, why have they had, had you know, no cojones? I, I, I mean, I'm appalled by them. And the answer is, I think, um, that it's to do with the nature of sin. It's to do, it's an incremental pro- process. So, so you, you know, you, you start by, 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 you know, filing dodgy expenses claims, and then you get, you get paid by some think tank to write this or that, that article. And pretty soon you're, you're in this world where you kind of, you could find a, a moral justification for your dodgy behavior, but, but it's, so, so you've been slowly lured into the web of sin. That's my theory. And, and then, you, then you get shown the keys to the room where it happens. And suddenly you think, well, I quite like being in the room where it's happened. So I'm going to sell my soul. And, and that's how it works. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. I think it's like, you know, the um, boiling frog. Um, yeah. The, the temperature is turned up so gradually you don't notice that you're slowly being boiled to death. 
Um, and um, yeah, and I think I think in the case of journalists, why are they sort of so much less inclined to challenge kind of you know the official narrative than they were seventy five years ago? And it, isn't it to do with the professionalisation of journalism and them being sort of enlisted into the club? They used to be outside the club throwing stones at the windows, yeah, um, you know, and prided themselves on being ne'er do well semi-respectable outsiders and now they've become a kind of respectable profession and so see themselves you know in the same room as you know um uh, the the davos billionaires and the media tycoons um totally yeah because we, we we have i mean look there you are with your grouse more invitations you know you, the only way you, you get invitations like that is a if you're rich enough to own a sort of a shoot of your own to be able to invite somebody yes. back or if you're considered sort of entertaining or, or gossipy or, or otherwise interesting company and, and clearly journalists fit the bill on that score we, we we get to move in in circles that we would to which we would otherwise be denied access because mm-hmm. we wouldn't we wouldn't be rich enough or influential enough but we are considered interesting and and yeah um uh, fit to be fit to be in the room with 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 the the rulers of the world, um, and I, I think I think a lot of journalists once they've been exposed to that don't want to lose it. They don't want to just become an ordinary person anymore. They, they you know they like their their travel food yeah, access and their, yeah their, yeah and their opera tickets and whatever else high level journalists get. So yeah, it it is corrupting, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah, and um, I, I, you know, I, I like you. I, I, I'm, I'm not really conscious of having been offered, you know, some golden opportunity which requires me to, you know, blunt my pencil. Um, you know, I, I've, I'm lucky in that I've generally not been faced with temptation. But in some ways, I suppose it's, you know, what's worse, kind of, Doctor Faustus, or, or rather the devil appearing before you and offering you a deal and you taking it. Or being so non being so inconsequential that the devil doesn't even bother to try and <laughs> tempt you uh, onto the path of evil. But anyway, um, so um, a lot of people have been um, emailing the um, Free Speech Union um, uh, account, um, asking asking me to do something about the fact that you've been kicked off Twitter. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm glad you asked me about that because I, I I want to explain to everybody I haven't been kicked off Twitter. I um, I committed Twitter suicide, um, and it, and it wasn't even a. I, I, I'll tell you what happened. Um, a member of my one of my offspring, who shall remain name, nameless, had been using Twitter to spy on my more outrageous tweets, and reported them back to its mother. It's not exactly and, spying, though, is it? If they're on Twitter. Yeah, but I think you know. I, I think the wife was quite happy, no, not knowing right. what what stuff I I say because we we try and live a live a, a compartmentalized life because I mean you know my worldview is not is not altogether the same as her. Is she, is she more Team I mean, Toby than Team James? Would you say? Yes. Okay. She well, basically she 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 wants everything to be nice. She wants everything to be normal. She wants all the all the bad stuff to go away and. Clearly, if you're of my my mindset, that is not really an option. I mean, she'd rather she'd rather take the blue pill than the red pill, and I think I think this is a case in households across the land that that couples are, are being divided. But and this this of course is 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 what is so diabolical about the times we're living in that that one of the the deliberately engineered consequences of of these terrible things that they are doing to us is that they are setting husband against wife brother against sister you know it's 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 like it's like the civil war all over again and i think it's i think it's really cruel and horrible and upsetting because you know i mean nobody wants to be have divisions in their family um and anyway long story short i in, in a panic I, I, you know, because I, 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 I didn't have time to work out how to delete all, all my old tweets, and then I, I, I quickly glanced um, at my Twitter, and and I saw that one was able to just shut down the account instantly, and I thought, well, at least that will stop my family spying on me. Um, and does that, so but does that, kind of, can, can you, can you, um, if you wanted to kind of come back to Twitter, could you come back with all the followers that you'd previously had, or do you have to sort of start again? As yeah, I think so. 
I think so. Although it may be that that because Twitter is such a sort of sinister organisation, that they, they, they may they may find that oops, while you were away, we accidentally deleted all ninety thousand of your followers. Maybe. And and the difference between me and most well many Twitter accounts is that I think most of my followers are genuine. I think there was evidence. I did I did a podcast um, about this. It hasn't hasn't come out yet. Um, with um, somebody called Thinking Slow. Who who's been doing lots of research into Twitter and 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 has found that that some of the accounts did I mention this the other day? I don't think so. No, okay. Um, it, it's really interesting actually. He's done. He, he he's a he's a a physics graduate, so he's he's quite good at good at his at his you know data analysis and stuff. And what he noticed is that some accounts have unfeasible numbers of re- retweets and when he looked at where these retweets come from they come from bot accounts i mean some of these accounts are, are, are tweeting out twenty-eight thousand tweets a week now <laughs> real people can't do that um and and so there, there are a few on the enemy enemy side apparently the the, the corbyn easter mps have been got a lot of boosting um, Gary Lineker, m- most of his traffic apparently is, really? is just completely f- fake. Yeah, it's you know he hasn't got nearly that following. Um, and there's a few people who pretend to be on our side of the argument who may not be trustworthy, um, who also get boosting. Um, but I but I feel embarrassed to mention their names. But but yeah, he, thinking slow. He's he, he's done some good research on this. Okay. Um, anyway, yeah. So so my ninety thousand or, or so followers. Um, I hope they don't get nuked when I if and when I decide to come back. I mean, I'm I'm touched by how much interest there is in my absence from Twitter. And I have to say, I do miss I do miss it. Yeah, about I'd say at least at least a dozen people have asked me. I do miss it. I mean, it it is quite a for even though it's a complete cesspit um and 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 so many people are horrible on it um at the same time uh, most of the horrible people i've blocked i think i've i've blocked uh i think six thousand people um and, and when you block that many you do get rid of the mm. of, of, of of you know I, I, I get very little grief on twitter um and i do find it's quite useful uh, as a sort of news gathering um, organization. I mean, site because I don't read newspapers. So if I want to be on top of events as they happen, uh, I need some other way of doing so. And, and Twitter used to be it. Mm. So I don't know. I may come back one day. Um, okay. Um, well, that's a shame. Um, but uh, yeah. you, you don't think it'll? I mean, don't you rely on Twitter to an extent to promote your various? podcasts and other enterprises um, yes i do that's another that's another annoying thing where i, I have to say that, that unforgivably i did i did use very very strong language um against my i mean actually i more or less disowned um my children um because uh, i was so i was so mightily pissed off about this um it's it, it's really annoying you know i it, twitter was kind of my safe space for for me going out to play in the world and to have sort of People sort of reporting back, you know, man, man, dad said a bad thing. You know, I just, just think I was, I, I, you know, I was, I was seething. I still am seething, actually. You can probably tell. Um, yeah, and it is. It, I mean, it's important for my, for my business model, for my promotion mm. and stuff. I need to, I need to get my, you know, my latest podcasts advertised. By the way, the one with, <laughs> I do recommend the one I've just done with Ole Damagjord, yeah. the uh, the Danish expert on on assassinations and false flags. Okay, it's a really good one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I remember when I got into deep trouble for um, saying inappropriate things on Twitter back in at the beginning of 2018 when I got cancelled. Um, mm. One of the reasons I was cancelled is because you know the offence archaeologists discovered various uh, offensive things I'd said on Twitter, um, and um, and my wife. Um, uh, was absolutely determined to get me off Twitter, and she, she didn't actually, you know, s- stand over me with a kind of loaded gun and force me to delete my Twitter account. But she deleted the Twitter app from my laptop and the Twitter app from my phone, so I couldn't tweet, at least not easily. And um, and I remember, I actually. Um, reloaded the Twitter app on my phone but buried it um, so she wouldn't be able to find it and only tweeted very very occasionally and I've gradually come back on but um, I now do have tweet delete installed so everything long I think everything older than a week old gets deleted which is um, that's good but doesn't it doesn't the internet internet never forget it, uh, it probably is a way isn't of it right that there up, are yeah. trolls 
Well, if you say something, like, if, you, if you say something that some troll thinks can be dredged up and used against you at some point in the future, like you know, if I was nominated for a peerage, I'm sure they're you know screenshotting them, knowing that I'll be deleting them after a week, and they'll be able to dredge them all up um, in the event of me getting any kind of honour or recognition. Yeah, I suppose we should really be moving on to Getter and and, and stuff. Yeah, I've, I've, um, I'm I'm on Getter too, um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean maybe you should just switch to Getter. Are you you're already on Getter? Yeah, aren't you? I am. Yeah, no. Getter get is good. Uh, the, my only complaint about Getter is that one can't troll the other side like one can. No, on that's Twitter. true. Yeah, because everyone because there's nobody. With you. There's, yeah, everyone agrees everyone with you. Everyone agrees with you. Yeah. So, um, have you been? Um, actually, we should probably hear from our sole sponsor this week. I um, think we should. Thor Holt. I think we could. Uh, and everyone should know that that it's not because everyone's decided suddenly. All the advertisers have suddenly decided that James and Toby are just worthless. It's it's a sign. I mean, there's been a real contraction, has there not, yeah. in the um, advertising in, in in the US, thanks to President Biden and his and his puppet masters. Um, their controlled demolition of the US economy is, is is causing people not to have money to advertise. Yes, which is even though we are really in the latest chart, I think we are number seven um, in the. Apple Weekly UK Politics Podcast. That sounds like, you know, quite a narrow category, like being big in Japan. But um, actually, it's not such a narrow category, and we're beating... Who, who are we, go on, who are we bigger than? Let's have a look. I want to get it up in front of me. Um, uh, let's have a look. Um, uh, I think we... we Who are we beating? Uh, we're beating... Um, do, 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 do. We're beating um, Steve Richards, who's an independent journalist. We're beating Reasons to be Cheerful with Ed Miliband and Jeff Lloyd. Uh, but we're being beaten yeah. by Sebastian Payne on the Financial Times, the Times' Redbox Politics cast, podcast, the New Statesman podcast, that's embarrassing, the Bunker and the rest is politics, I'm not sure. Well, that's, that's the um, Alastair Campbell one. Yeah. What we 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 are being beaten by Alistair. Campbell. We are. I'm afraid he is number one. Yeah. But but probably he. Alistair he, he Campbell and, and boosted. Rory, um, what's his face? Florence of Arabia. I think that just shows how shallow audiences are. Oh, I've seen him on TV. He, I, I remember him from Tony Blair's government. Yeah. Oh, just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, seven's not bad, John. Not not, not bad at all. Um, so uh, yeah, if anyone wants to advertise on London Calling, um, I think the rates are two hundred pounds per read or a thousand pound for six reads, and um, we can arrange it so James and I invoice you directly. Um, so no fear that uh, half of it's going on commission to Ricochet. Uh, though, of course, if you want to do it by Ricochet, you can do it by Ricochet as well. Um, so uh, yeah. Anyone wants to advertise? We have a mat. I think we have about. I think we get about twenty thousand plus downloads per episode. Um, or if anyone wants to invite me grass shooting instead of Toby, that also is is an option. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, anyway, James, let's hear from our, our one. Loyal... Although actually, I'd rather be invited hunting. Yeah, <laughs> if you've got if you've got a bomb-proof horse and you want to pay my my cap um, for the day um, and and stuff, then that's a good idea as well. Okay. So should we hear from Thor Holt? Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, yes, yes. Let's let's do that. Let's let's talk about Thor. When Thor guested on the Delling Pod, he arrived in a city slicker hire car with bald tires. Oh, how we laughed as he fishtailed up our snowy hill, heading home to Scotland, land of windmills and global warming alarmists. Thor has given pro bono counsel to free speech union victims of council culture since the, since the launch, and he values connection with fellow free speaking London callers in these most troubling of times. Telegram at Thor underscore Holt or www.linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Thor Holt. When not supporting FSU members in the teeth of their cancellation gale, Thor helps business owners solve their challenges, money still being useful at least until programmable CBDC. For example, an SME facing 20% redundancies worked with Thor and in four months, I, I still think this is amazing, it landed £20.4 million worth of new contract, avoided redundancies and secured a 10-year project pipeline. Our first London caller to work with Thor, a business owner who signed up Thor as a non-executive director, said, 
London Calling actually undersell you, Thor. You do what you say on the tin, but better. You've absolutely turbocharged me. Even if you don't require Thor's help now, get in touch because he values free thinkers like you. LinkedIn.com forward slash in forward slash Thor Holt or Telegram at Thor underscore Holt. Hmm. Telegram user. I smell no clot shots. Bet he's Team James. Okay, James, um, we've got a a couple of things to talk about before um, we move on to Culture Corner. Um, I think we've got about... um, 20 minutes left i've got to leave for the uh qpr hull match um to which i'm taking a couple of people um including my four children um but um megan markle's latest uh, warblings i don't know if you um tuned into any of these but she was interviewed i'm not talking about She's her been singing her her podcast um but um uh, she had a podcast debut on spotify uh, a couple of weeks ago which was met with almost universal hilarity and derision but uh, more recently she gave an interview to the cut which is a kind of um uh, somehow connected to new york magazine but i think as a separate standalone magazine unless it's online only anyway she gave an interview to the cut in which um she made various embarrassing statements um the most embarrassing of which was she said that um, uh, when she was um, at the premiere of the live-action movie version of The Lion King in 2019, uh, she was told by a cast member, um, uh, who, you know, who shook her hand and curtsied, that South Africans had danced in the street when she married Prince Harry, just like they did when Nelson Mandela was freed from prison. <laughs> I, I think it was a more important event, actually. I mean, you, no one's ever heard of Nelson Mandela, <laughs> but everyone knows about Meghan and her marriage. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's yeah, it's it's rather insulting. I imagine, I imagine she was rather put out. What do you mean? They only danced as much as they did in the streets when Nelson Mandela was freed. Surely you're understating it, madam. Away with you. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, she really is a piece of work. She also said that um, she said that. Uh, when she was asked by, um, you know, the, the royal family's kind of PR team to circulate some pictures of um, her and Harry's baby. Um, and uh, she said, why should I do that? Why should I give pictures to the very same people who are calling that child the N word? And it's like, well, first of all, has anyone actually called they're your, not. your they're, they're redheaded, totally not. your redheaded, as white as driven snow child? Um, yeah. by the n-word i doubt it and secondly who was she accusing it was kind of sort of like uh, it was deliberately vague as though she could have been referring to a member of the royal family or a member of the royal family's pr team or the british media it was a kind of it was a sort of generalized racial kind of accusation or accusation of racism it was uh she's so awful isn't she oh my god but i think that Tobes, my, my view is that all these people are lifetime actors that that they're, they're they're not real they're they're not like us well i mean yeah that that would know. explain james why when she was asked by the interviewer in the cut um what she was planning for this um netflix documentary series i mean she sort of you know bragged about the fact that she and harry have got this deal with netflix to make a documentary series and you know the way she's been talking about it it's as though it's a series about world poverty or social injustice or the history of racism in america and britain turns out james turns out it's a reality show um in which she and harry are going to be filmed you know struggling to make ends meet um in in their 11.5 million dollar mansion jetting around on private jets playing polo and visiting the sites of i'd like to see her you know turning tricks on, on <laughs> wherever they do it sunset but Boulevard, you know, she, it? She, her ambition is for her and harry to become essentially the kardashians and and the uh, the, the, the the kind of you know uh, the hypocrisy of it i mean she constantly complains about the invasion of her privacy she even says in this interview that she and harry one of the reasons they couldn't remain in the uk is because they couldn't have taken their ch- children to a primary school because there would have been a pack of 40 tabloid photographers waiting at the school gate to pat them actually that's no that's not true you know actually the tabloids are pretty there, there are rules about not invading the privacy of royal children of celebrities children in general so you know William and Kate have been able to take their own children to school without ever being papped outside the school gate by a tabloid photographer um, so it's just nonsense um, but uh, the hypocrisy of it she claims that she had to leave 
Britain and moved to America to protect her family's privacy, to safeguard their privacy and their mental health. And in the next breath announces that she's um, struck a deal with Netflix to make a reality show in which, you know, they're basically going to be the Kardashians. And I imagine the little red redheaded horrors are going to be in their sprogs are going to be in every bloody shot. Anyway, uh, <laughs> she's a yeah, piece yeah, of yeah, work. Yeah. She's I, a piece of work. Yeah, yeah. Well, isn't 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 Netflix kind of losing audiences hand over fist anyway? I'm sure this will encourage the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the rats exodus. to leave the sinking yeah, ship. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, uh, well, yeah. let's move on to Culture Corner because there's quite a lot to discuss. Have you seen House of Dragons? I have. I, I and I'm I'm actually up to date. I saw. So you've seen both part... episodes. Yeah, okay. I was a bit. I was a bit meh after episode one. Yeah, I was I, too. Oh, that's the only I, one I've seen. And, and actually, you, you you made a good comment, which actually I I had already made in my first. Um, I, I reviewed it for the online version, the Spectator. Um, that they seem to have run out of decent British character actors and have yes. gone for the kind of the the, the B list. Um, or yes. at least that they're not showing themselves at their best. You know, the, the, I, I didn't feel that any of the characters was particularly distinct enough. I mean, um, what, what, one of the actors, that they're so scraping the barrel that one of the actors on, what is it called, the Small Council, um, yeah. is the actor who played my dad in How to Lose Friends and Alienate People. <laughs> Actually, he's quite oh, really? good. He's a Scottish. He's got a kind of, uh, a kind of an attractive Scottish burr. Not too yes. strong. You can understand what he's saying. I can't remember his name, but he's, uh, he, he's, one, of the, he's one of the few... British classical actors that they hadn't cast in Game of Thrones. So he's in House of Dragons. I thought it was a bit odd having Doctor Who play the kind of lead role. He seemed a little bit lightweight, not quite menacing. Enough. Oh, no, you see, it, it, it's interesting. You quite liked actually. him, did you? Uh, well, yeah. I think what's good about him is that casting him against type makes the character more interesting because it's impossible to look at him and not remember him him playing Doctor Who and all the other kind mm. of nice characters he's played. And so even though he's clearly a complete wrong'un, at the same time he has this, he has a sort of level of, uh, he can command a level, level of sympathy just because of who he used to be in his yeah. previous incarnation. Like casting, um, uh, what's he called? Um, Henry Fonda as the Henry Fonda in, in, in Once Upon a Time in America. Yes. Although, yeah. having said that, apparently Henry Fonda in real life was absolutely pure evil. So, um, so in a way, actually, that was that was the role which which was was not casting against type. And all, right. when he was the good guys, that was when he was. <laughs> yeah. Um, was it was it Once Upon a Time in America or was it? Um, no, it was Once Upon a Time in the West. That's right. Once Upon a Time yeah. in the West. In the West, yeah. With, yeah. Which has got a great a great Ennio Morricone's score yeah and absolutely yeah, it's, it's, it's probably it's, his masterpiece isn't it? It, um, it it probably is it's 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 really good um yeah so yeah um, anyway so so, so there's a, I, I i i i it rather annoyed me that you know almost every character sounded a bit like yoda you know they, they kind of speak in that kind of cod kind of ye olde english in which they put the words in the wrong places, you know, uh, in the same way that Yoda does, you know, and it's like that, 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 that sort of slightly irritated me. And I know that, um, you know, George R. R. Martin has been involved in the development of the story, but it, it almost felt like a kind of scrape of House of Thrones, the B-Tech version of House of Thrones, in which they basically run out of much to say. And all the kind of most powerful moments in House of Dragons were those moments that anticipated the things you knew were coming because you'd seen House of That's, you know, that's seen a very Game good point. Yeah. So 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 in the very the very first scene I seem to recall of Game of Thrones was the scene in the in the, in the wood where those two um members of the uh, of the what are they called? The um the people who live on the wall, the the Night Watch, is it what are they called? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the people the, in, the, in, the, in the cloaks, the the the, the, the something watch. Anyway, <laughs> isn't it well, terrible how our, our Alzheimer's <laughs> yeah. prevents us from remembering? Yeah, yeah, people yeah, are going. Hard to just... <laughs> people are shouting the word at this point. But yeah, yeah. the the anyway. The, so they find these these dead bodies, um, and and they've they've all been killed while having a, a picnic or, so, or something. They are called they are called the Night's Watch. I think yeah. They're not, they are called the Night Watch. Okay, um, and and. This this prefigures, of course, the coming of the White Walkers, um, and and there were other things, weren't there as well? Yeah, the the the, the do dragons exist or do they not? 
Um, and that was you were kept waiting for that for a long, long time. And finally, the dragons appear with 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 the mother of dragons and and a yes. ceremony. Yes. But but in in this one, they're they're there in episode one. You know, flaunting their their CGI flying techniques. Yes. And and and. The dragons are a problem, aren't they? Because they're so powerful, they render whoever's whoever's a kind of dragon master or mistress pretty much uh, invulnerable. Yes, but, yes, they're like nuclear weapons, aren't they? They are. The, um, they are the, the, the secret weapon. And it, it's, yeah, a, it's, a uni, weapon. it's a unipolar world, like um, yeah. like the world we lived in was in the kind of late nineties. Um, but um, uh, yeah, yeah, what did you think of the central female character, who sort of, uh, without wishing to give away too many spoilers, at the end of episode one? Becomes what you mean? You mean the girl apparent. who looks like the mother of dragons, but is she younger looks, and yeah, and, and not not quite as pretty. Yeah, not quite as pretty, but but nicer. But nicer. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't have that. Uh, doesn't have that kind of steel. N- no, exactly. Um, well, yeah, I, I like her. I think she, I think she's the she, she's the character one roots for at the moment, and all the mm. others are pretty pretty ghastly, aren't they? Pretty compromised. And I, I, there's lots that made me feel uncomfortable. That, that slightly, you know, you felt sort of slightly dodgy watching it. For example, all the, the, the these young girls who are being thrust at the at the king as potential successors, you mm. know, um, they, you know, people to get, yeah, that was all dodgy. Uh, and and also, um, I thought the 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 tournament was was really horrible, really nasty. You know, like like in in chivalric scenarios, you, you don't get people fighting to the let death and, and, and mashing people's faces in because I mean if they did that the entire sort of knightly class would be wiped out you know in a weekend. Yeah, um, that's and, true. And, and here here was, was Thrones yeah. sort of celebrating this just gore fest. And I thought, oh, do I have to watch this? Yeah, yeah, I agree. That was kind of a bit OTT and unnecessary. Um, yeah. But but it picks up, does it, in episode two? No, it doesn't. It, okay. it, it carries on doing much the same. But by episode two, by the end of it, you're thinking, well, at least I now, at least they've got their ducks in a row. At least they've now they've they've now set up the various characters who are going to make bids for the Iron Throne, and it's it's clearly going to get very messy and nasty quite soon i think they have to do that you remember with with original thrones there were these episodes where there was sort of um you know lulls where you're just thinking oh yeah okay right i understand you do this you do that okay you're angry about this and and it's a lot of a lot of discussion and then you get the next episode of the one after that where you get the red wedding you get the you get the mm. proper proper gore i think that's just how it works yeah it's yeah it's sort of like um yeah it, it doesn't it doesn't seem to have it doesn't. It seemed to lack the epic scale, at least so far of Game well, of Thrones. Well, that's because you, you didn't you, feel you like don't you were visit kind of other being... realms. Yeah, that's that's you're right. Only, you're you're stuck it, in King's yeah. Landing in the first episode. Yeah, and even in the second episode, you don't go to many of the seven kingdoms. It, it, it's all like it's all it's all sort of hinted at, but you don't. The world hasn't opened up yet. I, I hope it's going to. I hope. I hope. I hope they haven't decided for budgetary constraints. You know, like they can't go and film in Sicily because the mafia want to take their take. Mm. I mean, maybe the fact that it is a kind of unipolar world is one of the things that makes it less dramatically interesting than Game of Thrones, in which, as you say, there is this tension between the different kingdoms um, and between regions within the kingdoms, whereas this seems like there is just one preeminent global superpower which has nuclear weapons and everyone else can't really compete but maybe that'll change over the course of i'm the sure series. i'm sure it will. it will yeah yeah, yeah. so um i saw the final episode of the offer i finally finished the offer have you finished well, the did offer? you get my, my subtle reference to it just in the, in that previous conversation we were having oh no i didn't uh, no no I, I i think the offer is 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 really really good it's really good um but um i did there was one thing i took slight issue with in the you know at the very end, they then have the kind of... Oh, don't, don't tell me, because I haven't seen the very end. Well, this, 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 I imagine this, 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 this me, won't be a spoiler. Does the Godfather get made? <laughs> the Godfather gets made, and um, I, I hope I'm Is not... Is it a hit? Uh, it, it's a hit, um, and... Mm. Uh, uh, but um, at the very end, when they're doing the kind of what happened to people and the kind of, you know, close, tying up the loose ends of the story, um, you know, it, it, but with, with words on the screen, you know, in the, uh, after the final episode has has ended um it says um it says uh, almost at the end after telling you what happened to all the characters what they went on to do it says it says and i this may be a direct quote the godfather is widely regarded as the best movie of all time 
which I thought was a slight little bit of hyperbole there. I mean, it's not bad. You know, it's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, what do you it, think I, it is? You make top 100, I'd say, but best it's not it is anything it's widely regarded as the best movie of all time actually and given that alexander ruddy who is the central character played by miles teller in the series is also it's based on his recollections and he's one of the producers it seemed a little bit you know blowing his own trumpet to say i made the movie widely regarded as the best movie of all time you know i mean i, I don't know is it uh, there are definitely some other there are some competitors like you know what's the, the what's wild, the best the, movie of all the time wild, i think i'm mean, sort of a bit a bit slightly kind of sophomoric to say there is one best movie of all time but you know there there are movies like 2001 a space odyssey are you dead um, like that the, the wild bunch um, I do, I do quite like that. Yeah, um, oh, there's, there's, boring there's, terms. It goes there's on and on and on. And the, on. Rule, the rules of the game, um, the end of an illusion. Um, you know, there's uh, the wages of fear. I mean, yeah, the, I think these are all better movies than The Godfather. I mean, The Godfather's pretty good, but it's it's uh, you know it's it's highbrow schlock basically. So you're it? missing the obvious contender for the greatest film ever made, uh, Terminator for, Two. Four weddings and a funeral. I just <laughs> not about can't not, get What about enough. Notting Hill, Jim? Notting Hill. Yeah, well, that's, that's true. Or let's not forget The Boat That Rocked. I mean, Richard Curtis really is is the greatest writer yeah, well, well, Let's hope that Series 2 of the offer is going to be about the making of Four Weddings and a Funeral. How did they get <laughs> Hugh Grant to come out of retirement and play that role? Yeah. Um, I, do you not, not think Matthew Good... The, the he's really good. He's the best thing in it. I Robert think. Evans. Yeah. He he's is really good. Just so good. Yeah, his I mean, line deliveries. Actors... His slightly kind of off kilter line deliveries are fantastic, aren't they? Yeah, he's really good. Yeah, I, and he's very sympathetic I, yeah. too. He gives he gives the character a kind of tragic depth, which uh, I'm sure in real life <laughs> Robert Evans didn't have. I think he was just I a don't kind know. of hustler, I mean, basically. Because um, well, he was well, he, he lost it, didn't he? After after I yeah, mean, he, he got done for cocaine dealing uh smuggling uh later on so he, he clearly didn't have as a i mean his golden period was when he was running yes. paramount yeah. and then i think yeah. after that he sort of went fell on his uppers a bit yeah and, and it was a remarkable period and you kind of you know they 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 kind of in the kind of background of the kind of central story is are all these movies being made that you know were, were by any standards great movies like uh you know Paper Moon, Chinatown. See, I think Chinatown is a better movie. Why than the was Godfather, it so, so and the, more the widely question, regarded as a better movie than The Godfather too? Why is it called Chinatown? Yeah, he couldn't really explain that, could he? Um, uh, well, I think I mean, it's, it's a sort of, an explanation. It's a metaphor we, we, we for the know. kind of murk and dirt underpinning kind of uh, the American dream. I think. What are you saying? Chinatowns are murky and <laughs> yeah, it's corrupt. a sort of sinister, sleazy, corrupt Toby. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I think um, that the makers of the film, that was why they used it as a sort of metaphor oh, for the seedy underbelly no, I'm, I'm, of I think America. There is, there is a, I think there is a better explanation. I, can't, I just can't remember okay. what it is. I'm uh, just, yeah. just like my brain is not, you know, not what it was. Um, so um, have you been reading any books? Um, yes, I, I try. I, I struggled on with Dombey and Son, um, but then realized after reading the, the introduction that um that it's actually a very sad story and i thought Oof, am i really going to stick with this for 40 hours only to feel really depressed and miserable so I, I i i i copped out and went to the next one in the sharp series so i'm now on sharp's company um but i'm determined to 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 to, to try something a little bit more highbrow and intellectually challenging next time. Um, so uh, anyway, I'm, I'm almost I'm almost at the end of Sharp's Company. You've sort of stopped keeping track with me on the Bernard Cornwall books, haven't you? I'm, I'm so far behind the, the, you that we've only just had the change of reader for the for the latest for the Uhtred. Um, Uhtred, Uhtred yeah, book. Okay. Yeah, and okay. I think he's actually, I think he's, well, I think we, did, we had this discussion. I think he's slightly better because he can do the different accents better yeah. different characters yes um, yeah i got used reading, i got used to him quite quickly on the reading front um i'm currently reading the selena hastings biography of somerset Maugham, okay which is just endlessly fascinating not least because i think Maugham was born in about 1870 1880 so so he started really making it in the in the in the 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 noughties the you know the 1900s um 
and the, the 1910s. And that's a really interesting, you know, we, we're, we're all aware of what it was like in the, in the kind of the, the jazz age and so on and, and what it was like in the 50s and stuff. But, but that period is, 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 I think, less familiar. And it's really, really interesting. And I don't know whether you're aware, Somerset Maugham was, before he became known for his short stories and stuff, was the absolute number one playwright in the West End. Hmm. He had, I think, four plays in the West End at one time, maybe maybe even five. I haven't got, got to the bit where he got five, but I know, I know he had four. And he, he, this, was, this happened when he was 30. He'd, he'd spent the previous decade desperately trying to always worrying about money because he had expensive tastes um and um you know he wanted to spend it on his handsome young men and women that he fancied he was he was bisexual um and then suddenly at 30 all the plays that had previously been ignored suddenly came good and so he found himself you know he, he was living in living in mayfair and 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 fated by everyone and everyone was you know he was bigger than jay and barry you know who, who of course had his huge hit with peter pan anyway uh if you like Maugham, if you've heard of Maugham, I, I was writing the other day and I mentioned that I was reading this book to a, to a school teacher and she said, who's Somerset Maugham? And I find that shocking, but at, but at the same time, perhaps I shouldn't. Cause I, think, I think lots of people are unfamiliar mm. with, with Maugham now, even though that for, for, for most of his life, he was the world's most famous and successful author. Mm, interesting. Um, yeah. So um, I only have one last thing to add, James, which um, I've been watching a new series on Apple TV Plus called Blackbird. And it's about yes. um, a charismatic drug dealer um, who Liking is it already who is imprisoned for ten years after he's caught um, with some drugs and some unlicensed firearms, which he's taken across I don't know state lines. So it's a federal crime. So he's in prison for ten years, and um, but he's offered a deal, which is if you move to this maximum security prison. Um, uh, and cosy up to this suspected serial killer and get him to reveal the whereabouts of the body of one of the young women he's killed, uh, then your sentence will be commuted, but your life will be in danger because it's a maximum security prison and that's a living hell. Uh, and he takes the deal, so it's all about his attempts to kind of survive in this maximum security prison and extract a confession from this uh, serial killer whom he's befriended. It's quite good. It's quite. I mean, oh, James, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, uh, sorry, I, I, I'd, I'd love to give it two thumbs up, but I, you know, I give it one and a half thumbs up, James. It, oh, it, it's no. pretty good. It feels at times as though they're trying to kind of stretch the material a little thin. Um, and um, Tyrone Egerton, is that how you pronounce it, is the kind of central Taran character. The Egerton, I think. Tyrone Egerton, yeah, yeah, yeah who was in, in um, Kingsman. Kingsman, um, yeah. And, um, yeah, the Elton John biopic and Eddie the Eagle. He's quite an appealing actor, but uh, he plays an American in this film, so there are sort of oh. accent issues. But the guy that plays the serial killer is really good. He's, he's, he's very good. Uh, anyway, it's pretty good. I'd recommend it. Um, I, I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd tentatively recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, James. Sorry, I can't be more oh, enthusiastic. Dear. Oh, dear. I, yeah, I, I, I like the, the premise and I like Taron Edgerton, but, but I, I think... Give it a whirl. Blackbird. Oh, I don't know. I, 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 yeah. Look, I think TV is really bad anyway. It's really bad for you. It sucks out your brain. It, you know, it's controlled by the CIA. Um, why would you watch it unless it was really, really good? Okay, well, we'll, we'll wait until we find something really, really good. Uh, listen, I better go. We've got to go after the football. You go. Uh, anyway, good to talk to you, James, and I hope to see good. you back on Twitter soon. Yeah, okay. Right. Okay, bye. bye. This is London Calling. Ricochet. Join the conversation.